Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Horton's new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Tura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts you're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Yes, living the dream once again here on a fully loaded sports day. This is Fox Sports Saturday, and we are broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com, we're going to help get you there in unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Well, my worst fear going into this program today, Bucky, is that that Celtics Heat series was going to suffer the same fate as the Western Conference Finals between the Lakers and the Nuggets, that being a four-game sweep. If that had happened on Tuesday, think about this. We would be now on day five without an NBA game with five more to go. I mean, it was like a a nine-day layup, potentially, between the end of the conference championships and the start of the NBA Finals, which will be Thursday. That number remains the same. But we do have an Eastern Conference Final still alive. And let's keep in mind here, Bucky, in the history of NBA playoffs, the teams that were down 3-0 are 0-150. However, this series, the Celtics are now just the 11th team to get it to a sixth game. So only 11 times out of 151 times has a team actually gotten to a sixth game. Only three times has a team down 3-0 forced a game seven. But that's where we're sitting right now, Bucky. And with this game, obviously, on the road against the Heat, There is this prevalent thought that if Miami doesn't win tonight and close out this series, we could be seeing history made in these Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, there's been a lot of that conversation about history being made and the Heat better win tonight because if they come back to Game 7, no chance. But I think if you have some perspective, 
just like the Heat reeled off three in a row, if the Celtics went off three in a row, where are we at? We're playing one game for the season. And all those previous games don't matter because then it's how you perform on that given game seven day. And so I know there's been a lot of conversation about the Boston Celtics and the Boston Celtics are the better team. And they are the more talented team for sure. And they found their way and look out. And you heard Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart say, hey, don't let us get one and don't let us get two. Well, all that is fine and good. But at the end of the day, the pressure is the same on both teams. The Celtics know if they lose, it's a wrap. It's over. The Miami Heat still has a little cushion. They still can take solace in the fact that even if they don't get it done today, they still have another opportunity to get it done. Yeah, there's a lot to be said in the aftermath of what happened in Game 5 in Boston. And, of course, Gabe Vincent was out of that game, and that was a huge loss for the Heat uh, in Game 5. They just never seemed competitive. Like, the, the Celtics took control of that game early and never let off, uh, shooting over 50% from the field, over 40% from three-point range. And if they do that uh, and not turn the ball over at an alarming rate, the Celtics are clearly the better team. But there is a reason why teams down 3-0 don't win. It's only happened once ever in baseball. That was the 2004 mm-hmm. American League Championship Series where the Red Sox are down 3-0 to the Yankees. Came back to not only sweep four in a row to win that series, went on to sweep four in a row in the World Series. So they got on a real roll that year. It's happened four times in the NHL. Quick story on that one. One of the times that it happened in the NHL, Bucky, the LA Kings, uh, this is the year after they won their first Stanley Cup. So 2013, they're playing the San Jose Sharks in the opening round, and they're down 3-0. And the Sharks have the home ice advantage. Mm -hmm. So uh, game four is at Staples, as it was then known. And I was covering the game for television. I was an afterthought. I don't even know if they sent me the game, right? And the Kings won. So, you know, the story was, well, at least they didn't lose on their home ice. You know, they'll send it back to San Jose. And we have another reporter covering the Clippers-Sacramento playoff series. So he's obviously taking priority, but they have a problem with the hookup. So suddenly they're like, we're going to go to you right now. And all I I was going to say was, hey, you know, at least the Kings, you know, Stanley Cup champions don't go down the first round at home. They're sending us back to San Jose. And I do my thing, and all of a sudden they're yelling in my ear, stretch, stretch. (laughs) And I'm like, so the the reporter in studio says, well, what do you think? Can they come back and win the series? And I'm like, well, it's only happened three times ever in the NHL, you know. But, uh, you know, I guess anything's possible, but it would seem – Highly unlikely, and they're yelling in my ear, stretch, stretch. So she follows up. She goes, well, what? I, 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 will they come back to win the series? I said this. If they go back to San Jose and win that game and come back here for game six, they can win the series. In fact, I'll say this, and I'm doing this mm-hmm. on the air because I'm just trying to stretch. And if they come back from a 3-0 deficit in this series – I predict they won the Stanley Cup. Mm. Actually, it was the 2014 year, the year two years after they won the Cup, and so they did come back with three straight wins. They won that series and won the Stanley Cup, and they kept replaying. My Hartman called it first, and I'm like, actually, I didn't oh, call wow. it. I only said that because you were trying to stretch, you know, and it made. A... <laughs> How about so that? I will say this: if the Celtics win this series, mm-hmm. if they make history. My guess is the Nuggets have no chance against the Celtics. 
that it just like the the Red Sox after they swept four in a row to get the Yankees out of the way back in 04, they went on to win their first World Series in 86 years and they swept that series. I think the same could be said for the Celtic team that was humiliated in game three. Bucky, when have you ever, when Magic Johnson puts out a tweet saying, in my 44 years associated with the NBA, I never thought I would see a a franchise like the Celtics, winners of 17 NBA championships, quit. Quit. I mean, is there a worse four-letter word in sports than quit? You saw game three. You saw them get humiliated, embarrassed in that game. Is it possible that what happened in that game and the reaction to that game was so pronounced that it could ultimately propel the Boston Celtics of this season to a historic comeback in the finals and eventually their record-setting 18th championship? I mean, it's possible that that could, could do it. But I think we all saw what was going on in that. This is a team that does have some pride. And the biggest issue that we saw from the Celtics early, they didn't play hard enough. Not enough effort, not enough toughness exhibited by the Celtics the first three games. And in game three, when you lose 128 to 102 and it wasn't a competitive game, they should have come down on the Celtics because the effort wasn't there for what is really a high-stakes game. So now they have found that if they give effort and if they play together and stuff like that, that they can get wins. And you really, if you think about the last six quarters, they've dominated the Heat in that regard. But the thing is, and as we know over time, The longer you play, the more you become your real self. And so can the Celtics continue to be a try-hard, work-hard team when that's really not their DNA? And so we will see under pressure, can they continue to scrap and do all those things? Because the other thing that we know about this team, they're front runners. When things go well, they tend to play better, as crazy as that sounds. Both games, they have kind of played from ahead. They haven't had to feel the pressure of being down or having to – a every possession matters. The trick will be what does this team look like when they fall down? And if it's in the second half and they're behind, do they then begin to feel the pressure, the finality of an elimination game? We saw in that game three, Joe Mazzula, their young coach, frustrated beyond belief. I mean, he tosses his board. He's just like, the hell's going on here? Mm-hmm. You know, if I, as your coach, have to explain to you what's at stake here, we got a problem. Which brings up another point, Bucky, and you having played this game and been an executive in this game and broadcast these games and seen so much of where we are in the sports world today. Go back to Giannis after the Bucs went down and was asked that straight-out question, do you consider this season a failure? Mm. And he wanted to redefine... What's at stake for today's athlete? Hmm. You know, prefacing by saying, look, obviously you want to win championships. But understand how difficult it is to win a championship. And if you fall short of winning a championship, it doesn't mean the season's a failure. That's interesting from a player's perspective. From a fan's perspective, especially if you're a fan of a franchise that has a history of winning championships... That explanation doesn't fly. Now, I've been a Lakers fan my entire life. Mm-hmm. And I had many conversations over the years about winning and losing with the late great Kobe Bryant. And he was of the mindset that getting to the NBA Finals 
or making a heroic run in the postseason was meaningless unless you won a championship. We heard it again from LeBron James Mm -hmm. when people were saying, hey, I mean, considering where you guys were with 11 games to go in the regular season, your chances of even making the playoffs are remote, and you got all the way to the Western Conference Finals, and he's like, yeah, I've been there. (laughs) I mean, getting to the Western Conference Finals doesn't mean anything to me. Mm -hmm. The only thing that keeps me playing is winning championships. And we'll get much more into his situation a little bit later on in the show. But do you believe, with all the money that athletes are making, and I don't begrudge the money, the money is a product of the demand. I mean, there isn't a person listening out there that was offered more money than maybe they think they deserve would say, no, I don't deserve that. (laughs) If the market demands it, you're going to get paid. Yeah. But do you believe that today's athlete, and I'm talking on the whole because there's always exceptions to the rule, are as focused on the end game, winning a championship, as athletes of 20, 30 years ago? Well, I I think it's a different time. And I think it's a different time because the money's significantly more now than it was before. Before you wanted to win championships because it led to other stuff off the field that allowed you to kind of support and supplement what you were making as a player. Now the money is so robust that it doesn't matter if you win championships or not. You you have the bag from your shoe company, from your guaranteed contract, from any of the other things that you're able to drum up outside the game. The money is the money. And so you can skate by at this time without having to be obsessed with championship performance you can be obsessed with your individual honors we saw that with Joel Embiid and those things but in terms of the championship being the end-all be-all it's not what it once was you don't see it like we used to see it I think people still enjoy being champions but having that hold on your resume we've seen more players being like eh didn't win a championship but I had a great career yeah and That's frustrating for some fans, but also I believe the fans don't skate on this. I think there are a lot of fans out there that simply attend games for the entertainment. We know in the NFL, many, I won't say a majority, but I don't know what the percentage is, Bucky. They're more concerned each week about their fantasy team than they are any individual NFL team. Mm-hmm. You dare put a percentage on that for people that say, I follow the NFL every week, mm-hmm. are more concerned about the components of their fantasy team than actually rooting for an actual NFL team? Could it be 50-50? Could it be more? You know, fantasy football has certainly changed a lot of what we think about as it relates to pro sports. Fantasy football has given everybody – um, a little more ownership and say a, a, a bigger opinion when it comes to how people are performing and those things. And it has muted some of the team aspects of sports that we all love because everyone is chasing their own individual honor, individual glory. So that's the big part of it. It, it really is a landscape, not just for the athletes, but really the whole landscape of sports and winning and losing and how important are championships. Many times you say, who won the championship last year? Do I even remember? 
Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. But right now, the Celtics have a lot of momentum going into this game six coming up later on. All right. On the other side, we had some major NFL news. What was behind the release of DeAndre Hopkins by the Arizona Cardinals? This is Fox Sports Saturday. Two NBA insiders podcasting twice a week to plug you right into the NBA grapevine. All happening in only one place. This league uncut. The new NBA podcast with me, Chris Haynes. And me, Mark Stein. Join us as we team up to expound on everything we're covering, hearing, and chasing. Listen to This League Uncut with Chris Haynes and Mark Stein on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Juan Gabriel. Juan Selena. Selena. Celia Cruz. Azúcar. Carol G. La Bichota. Christina Aguilera. Ex-Tina. Just to name a few. We're serving the whole story. From rags to riches. And all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royalty. Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Aw, Joseph. Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of us. We're figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, it it would have been been juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. 
And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Wow. Sean Ramos. There you go. If you're a Breaking Bad fan, you know this song. I know it from Badfinger, one of the most cursed bands in rock and roll history. Yeah, Baby Blue. Good stuff. Ah, what a shame. A little bit in one of the all-time legendary bands, but uh, corrupt management. It can happen. All right, here we are once again. This is Fox Sports Saturday, and we're coming to you live from the TireRack.com studios. It's amazing how Brandon says, you only know this song from Breaking Bad. You really didn't know the band Badfinger, did you? I honestly don't know the whole story. I'm interested now. Well, I, 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 it's too morbid. You look it up. I'll put it that way. Uh, but it was one of the great tragedies of what was thought to be the new Beatles. They were under the Apple label, the first band ever signed by the Beatles on their Apple label. And they had a series of big hits, great songs. And some management guy just took advantage and took all their money. And then the aftermath, well, I don't want to say it on the air. Let's just say it was... It's not pretty. All right. Uh, we are uh, here once again on a very busy Saturday. As we mentioned, we got a big game six tonight in the Eastern Conference Finals between the Heat and the Celtics. We also have a lot of NFL news, uh, OTAs going on. We got the mini camps. This is that time of the year. Uh, most of it voluntary, but certain teams demand uh, that certain guys show up because That's they right. don't have a lot of time. I mean, once this is over, you know, training camp now, Bucky, I, I again, I go back to the day where training. Training camp, two-a-days, used to start the first week of July. First week of July, two-a-days. I know, because I used to broadcast from those every single day, sitting on cement steps. Uh, Those days are long gone. And so if you're a coach, uh, a coaching staff, you want to see your guys on the field as much as possible. But the big story, obviously, DeAndre Hopkins gets released. Now, before we start talking about possible destinations for D-Hop, Let's talk about this dynamic that by releasing him prior to June 1st, instead of spreading the salary cap hit over a couple of years, now the entire $22 million hit will apply to this season. So why exactly? Because there's a lot of speculation. But in your opinion, why are the Cardinals doing it the way they've done it, where really they are taking a major cap hit this season? Because in the Cardinals' mind, they feel like they would rather take it all right now, meaning they won't have Kyler Murray for most of the season. They don't expect to be very good. And so if you're going to take and absorb a big salary cap hit, why not do it now? Maybe we're, we're not tanking, but maybe we're not playing well enough that we're, we're, we're going to be unable to win enough games. So we might as well play for a top pick, see where we're getting, clean up our salary cap situation. So in 2024 – we can come at it and attack it in the right way. I don't agree with that strategy, but I think that's what's on the mind of the Cardinals, why they're taking all of the hit from the salary cap situation right now. You know, a year ago when the Seattle Seahawks made the trade to send Russell Wilson to Denver, my thought was, makes sense. They're tanking, trying to get a top that's pick, right. trying to get a Bryce Young, trying to get a C.J. Stroud in the draft. I predicted they would have the worst record in the NFL. There was They had no quarterback. Yeah. I mean, they were trying to sell us on Drew Locke. And I said, I've seen Drew Locke. Yeah. Drew Locke is yeah. not yeah. going to win a lot of games in that NFC West. And then all of a sudden, they dust off Geno Smith. He has a Pro Bowl season, and they make the playoffs 
Whereas the team they made the trade with only won five games. So I don't know if that's going to happen with Arizona. You mentioned Kyler Murray. Does this mean that they have 100% moved on from Kyler Murray beyond this season? doesn't mean that they've moved on from Kyler Murray beyond this season. He's hurt. He's not going to be available. If he's not available, it really cripples your chances of winning games. They didn't go out and make a move for a marquee quarterback early. They didn't draft a quarterback. Uh, they had the third overall pick. They could have drafted somebody if they felt like they're ready to move on. And everyone will look ahead and say, hey, Caleb Williams, Drake May, those guys potentially could be available for them. And then they have to do the compare-contrast situation. But maybe they're looking at what the Bears did. Bears got a number one overall pick. They were able to parlay that into a bunch of different picks and players. And so maybe the Cardinals are just being uh, ahead of the curve, trying to research, okay, how can we put ourselves in position? Slow to down, really buddy. Slow down. Draft hall. You, you just said Cardinals ahead of the curve. Maybe, maybe. When, when have the Cardinals ever been ahead of the curve? <laughs> they haven't. The, they have a new – you, know, you, know, you know when they were ahead of the curve was when Ken Wisenhunt and they they drafted Matt Leinert. And this is no knock on you, Matt. Um Drafted Matt Leinart and brought in Kurt Warner to mentor him. And Ken Wisenhunt decided, you know, instead of mentoring, Kurt Warner is the better quarterback. How about instead of instead of mentoring a young quarterback, why don't we actually play the quarterback that actually can get the job done? And they were a miracle throw away from winning a Super Bowl. They were a miracle throw away. A miracle throw away from winning a Super Bowl. So, um... I don't know. It all right. So let's let you mentioned Caleb Williams and Drake May. Uh, Caleb Williams, of course, winning the Heisman. Drake May had a phenomenal redshirt freshman season at North Carolina, top ten Heisman. In fact, he was on my Heisman list as late as maybe week ten before mm-hmm. North Carolina sort of fell apart at the end. Of, when you look at those two guys, because we hear this time and time again, oh, this guy, he's a can't miss. This guy is a franchise guy. Can we say that about Caleb Williams and Drake May? That whatever team gets one of those two guys has just you know checked the box of you know franchise quarterback for the next decade? I know we can certainly do it with Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams has proven himself to be uh, next-level Gen X quarterback. This guy has everything in his bag. He's smart. He has great arm talent. He has the ability to play in the pocket, outside the pocket. Um, He has this improvisational ability that some people have likened to Pat Mahomes. And so when you have all of those things in your bag – and he plays in a very calm, cool, collected manner. It's easy to fall in love with him. Drake May is a Drake May is a very good player. Plays in my alma mater. I've seen him do great things. Mm-hmm. However, there's a bit of a separation between what you get from Caleb Williams and what you would get from Drake May. Uh, Drake May plays in North Carolina. Didn't uh, Trubisky play at North Carolina? He did. Yeah, he okay. did. And they jumped out the Bears to number two to get him over. Him. They, they had and pass on Patrick Mahomes to Deshaun they Watson. Had, they, the had to have, they had to have him. <laughs> Yeah. Interesting. Uh, by the way, we're brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. Let's find out what is trending right now. Joining us is the Jan Kodish Ooh. of the Sports Talk Planet. I threw out Jan Kodish. I heard the weak attempt by... Jonas of th- calling you the Bjorn Borg. And I thought of Jan Kodish, two-time French Open champion and also Wimbledon champion 50 years ago. No one remembers that he won that year because many of the top players opted out. There was a big strike going on with much of the men's tour of Wimbledon. But it was the debut 
of a 17-year-old named Bjorn Borg, who had the flowing locks and everything, 17 years old, actually got to the quarterfinals uh, and became a fan favorite, especially with the girls that were watching on. So, uh, <laughs> Jan Koder's a Hall of Fame tennis player, outstanding player, not a grass guy, but that year, because so many guys bailed out of the tournament, he was able to win Wimbledon. When you started saying Jan, I was thinking you were going Yannick Noah, the mm. dad of an NBA player, went on to and had a lot of great experiences at the pro level. French Open champion, yes. Yeah. Well, I got others for you later on, but yes. Jan Kodish, know the name. Know you, the have, name. Yes. Uh, do you know the name? Uh, now I, you know. I, no, I, well, now I do. I've been educated by you. How about this? 50 years ago, when he won that Wimbledon, I was actually, as a student, young, very young student, 15, um, living in Paris for a month. Paris, France. <laughs> and they had like the Herald Tribune, which was like the English paper that you get, get you know, the news on. I remember that. And I'm like, Jan Kodish. There it is. I wasn't alive then. My parents had not <laughs> most, met before. Most people listening probably were not alive then. <laughs> yes. But that's okay. I just throw that out there. John Ramos, were you alive then? Were you alive? What year was this? 1973. I was alive, yes. There you go. Very good. I won't ask you, Brandon. <laughs> How about you, Buck? Uh, 73? Two years old. Oh, two years old. Uh, he was He was right there. So, yeah. by the way, Yannick, the dad of Joachim Noah. But, yep. yes, we do know that there is a regime change that is about to be finalized here with the Milwaukee Bucks. According to reports, Adrian Griffin, the now former assistant coach for the Toronto Raptors, is going to be the next head man in Milwaukee. has never been a head coach in the association before. This will be his first time. 16 seasons as an assistant in the association, spanning over five teams, and had to, in the vetting process, have an individual meeting with Giannis Antetokounmpo, apparently getting high praise from Giannis, because that helped propel Griffin to beating out another finalist in Kenny Atkinson, who is a an assistant for the Warriors for the job. Speaking of the NBA Game 6, tonight Eastern Conference Finals is going to be underway at 8.30 Eastern Time in Miami where the Heat, for a third time, are going to try to close out this series of win away from the NBA Finals, which everybody's waiting to see who's going to face off against the Denver Nuggets, but the Celts have won the last two games. Miami leads the series as of now, three games to two. In Major League Baseball, we saw the Yankees win in a walk-off, three to two against the Padres. Also games in motion as we speak. The Twins have doubled up the Blue Jays, eight to four, bottom of the eighth there. The Dodgers have a solo home run from Max Muncy. That's the only offense in this game early on in Tampa. one nothing Dodgers over the Rays, bottom of the second. Astros have put two on the board. 2 nothing. They are in front of the lowly 10-43 Athletics. And lastly, Steve and Bucky, we are in progress of the third round. PGA Tour, Charles Schwab Challenge, and Emiliano Grillo is in a share of the lead at 10-under with Harris English. Both are on the back nine. Both are shooting under par today. The leader going into today was Harry Hall. Bucky and Steve, very relatable. Front side for him, back-to-back double bogeys. I've been there, I'm sure. Steve definitely has been there. Bucky, maybe not, because of how good of a golfer you are. But i got to say that we saw... It just seems, guys, like a very human experience that we witness from the leader. Just vulnerability. We don't see that from these guys very often. And 
It was very relatable for once. No, I mean, I, I, I love to see great athletes fail. <laughs> because I am not an athlete, have never been an athlete, and, uh, and I talk about sports my entire life, but uh, no, I don't. But if I'm rooting against somebody, oh, yeah, 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 I like to see that failure. Does that bother you, Bucky? Uh, as uh, I mean, do you ever? Do you ever? I mean, as an athlete yourself, do you ever root against an athlete, or are you like most athletes that really go gaga when you see someone that just has that next level of athleticism? Uh, I don't hourly root against people. Um, I may be okay with a team not making it or advancing, like the do Blue Devils. I'm, I may be okay. I don't outwardly say, "Hey," but if they lose, I'm like, eh, "Okay." Mm-hmm. happens yeah um however i th- look I, th- I think your mindset has to be as an athlete and competitor you have to play anybody anytime any place like whoever it is uh beef you are the thomas mooster of uh yeah uh, by the way when jonas brought up that tennis <laughs> reference sometimes he gets <laughs> tennis and tetris confused that's yes. as much as he knows about tennis uh, tell <laughs> us the sport you're not a fan of you know, pickleball as a player, I get it, but mm-hmm. televising it, I'm not so sure about as of right now. And there is a big demand. There are three different professional leagues out there for pickleball. Yeah. Every network wants their hands on what's happening in that space, but I just can't get over the fact that it's a wiffle ball. There's a, mm-hmm. a governor, if you will, what on the What is speed. the difference? I mean, okay, we got tennis, Smaller. you got paddleball, you have badminton. Yeah, I covered badminton. I actually covered it uh, when I was in college. I used to call them the swatters. I actually had a thank you letter from UCLA. had some good badminton teams, believe it or not. And, and they just keep creating these games all the time. I'm sorry. I'm not into that. What makes this sport, pickleball, so appealing is that you pretend and gets people to think that they're working out, <laughs> but the court is smaller, so it's kind of the, the lazier the sport, the more people flock to it, and I think we're seeing that with pickleball See, because of how small the court is. That's the thing. If you actually work up a sweat playing pickleball, then you really are out of shape. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> like yeah. like if you are sweating playing pickleball, then guess what? You are out of shape. Think about this really guys. Out of shape. Like the last couple of years with COVID, golf has exploded. Yes. And golf is a sport where you can see a 50-year-old beat a 20-year-old, and where else does that happen other than perhaps pickleball? The lazier the sport the last couple of years, the more fans are flocking to it. Those are the kind of sports that, I guess, you want to be a part of as their trajectory goes higher and higher. Yeah, the amount of sweat on me when I play golf is adjacent to how much alcohol I drank that day. <laughs> I mean, if I if, if I start my round with a double shot Bloody Mary with an early tea time, I'm probably going to sweat at some point, especially after I drink another half dozen beers along the way. So, uh, thank you very much, B Fan. We'll talk to you a little bit later on. We are talking about DeAndre Hopkins uh, and the release from the Arizona Cardinals. Now, the question is, where is he going to end up, Bucky? Uh, odds are the Bills are favored right now, uh, and it's interesting where the odds are. But you got the Bills one, Chiefs two, Ravens three, Jets four. All AFC teams look the addition of DeAndre Hopkins, even if he wasn't or isn't the guy he was 
uh, is going to be a plus for teams that have quarterbacks that can actually get him the ball. And obviously all these teams do. So uh, what is your best guess? Well, before we say best guess, amongst those four teams, the Bills, the Chiefs, the Ravens, and the Jets, assuming that he's healthy, which team would he have the greatest impact on? Uh, I would say probably the Buffalo Bills. Okay, so you obviously have Diggs there. Diggs' impact on that franchise was immeasurable. Suddenly, Josh Allen looked like a completely different quarterback when he was throwing the ball to Diggs. The combination of Diggs and D-Hop, what does that do for the – I mean, the only place the Bills can go from where they are now is to win a Super Bowl. I mean, that's it. I mean, they're, they're already obviously an elite team. They have fallen short of getting to the Super Bowl and winning a Super Bowl. Does that put them over the top? Well, it gives them a chance to fortify their lineup for the next couple years. And so when you think about uh, what D-Hop would be able to bring to the offense as a steady, dependable, reliable pass catcher, uh, you have him. uh, You you think about having uh, Stephon Diggs on the outside, Dawson Knox. You drafted Dalton Kincaid. So now in your 12 personnel package, one back, two tight ends, two wide receivers, you have a lot of weapons and a lot of flexibility to do a bunch of different things. It's really important that for D-Hop, because he doesn't create separation, he needs a big, strong-arm passer that can fit the ball into the tight windows, that can put it in different spots so DeAndre Hopkins can go get it. He's not a blazer anymore. He's not going to create separation um, off his physicality and toughness. And so now the coach has to do a little more scheming to get him open so he can have the impact that we used to see in him. All right, I'm not going to compare him uh, to a Randy Moss, because Randy Moss stands alone in terms of talent. But we remember when Randy Moss left the Vikings, was you know hidden away in Oakland with the Raiders for a couple of years, traded for a couple of mid-round picks to New England, and rewrote the record book with Tom Brady throwing him the ball. So if you were to be asked by any of these teams, Bucky, break down, what are we getting right now in a 30-0 DeAndre Hopkins? Uh, you're going you're gonna to pass catcher. A quality, high, reliable, dependable pass catcher. You're not getting someone who's going to win with exotic or precise routes. You're getting really, I mean, like a steady Eddie playmaker, like like someone who is on the backside of his career. Uh, you've seen it the last few years, 572, 717 yards respectively. Not quite what you expect from a number one receiver. But prior to that, he had four straight 1,000-yard seasons. And so you have to make sure that you meet him halfway try and figure out a way to kind of bridge the gap in terms of his learning, knowledge, understanding, and putting him in a situation where he can win the best balls that he's been able to win. Just for clarification, a team that signs him, they have to pay him the full $20 million? Yeah, I mean, they don't have to pay him that. He's entitled to get that so he can file the severance papers and the Cardinals will be on the hook for that or whatever. But one time he gets an opportunity to do this. So he's getting that money from somebody. Just depends on who, who who does he want it to come from. All right, another name has emerged in the news out of the NFL that we thought we had buried forever. Find out who it is. This is Fox Sports Saturday. Steve. Juan Gabriel. Juan Gis. Selena. Selena. Celia Cruz. Azúcar. Harold G. La Bichota. Christina Aguilera. Ex-Tina. Just to name a few. We're serving the whole story. From rags to riches. And all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2. Guess who's back in the house? 
And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royalty. Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Aw, Joseph. Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Carbon, Bucky Brooks, this is Fox Sports Saturday. We're coming to you live from the TireRack.com studios. Well, here's a name that I haven't seen in a while. I didn't know that he was still out there. Speaking of an NFL legend, Adrian Peterson, who is now 38 years of age. By the way, the last non-quarterback to win the Most Valuable Player Award. I don't know if there will ever be another one. That was back in 2012 when he came off that uh, devastating injury and had that huge comeback. He's had a lot of comebacks over the years. Uh, did not play in the NFL last year. Uh, I think he had a boxing match where he got knocked out. Um, before we get into any chance of this guy reuniting with the National Football League, how good was Adrian Peterson? Great player. A fantastic player. I mean, he is an all-timer when it comes to the running back position. The thing about Adrian Peterson that we always remember is the fact that he bounced back from an ACL injury, and some would say he was a better player after the surgery than before. Uh, I hate it for him that he decided, one, whatever, he left Minnesota, and then he bounced around. It's one of those things where, man, you just have this visual, this vision of how he was at Minnesota and all the other decals 
on his helmet and on his suitcase. Just kind of take a little bit away from that. Yeah, Arizona, New Orleans, Washington, Detroit, Tennessee, Seattle. Those are some of the teams he's played for, and Saints. he wants a little more. Yeah, I, I mentioned yeah, the Saints. I Look, at this This is, I guess, the sad part of a lot of it because the only reason that I can think of for him, because some people are saying, well, he's 82 yards short of 15,000. What does that mean? It's not the record. I mean, mm-hmm. if he was 82 yards short of the record, I mean, that's one thing, but I don't think anyone looks at 15,000 as a significant number where you're going to come back. He's a Hall of Famer already. Obviously. So every, everyone First knows, ballot yeah. Hall of Famer. So, so he's a Hall of Famer. It's he a financial situation. Yes, he won't be the all-time leader. Right. Um, I mean, even if that, like, if it's the financial situation at at this stage, what we're talking about, we're talking about minimum deals. So yeah, we're talking about a million dollars, but we're not talking about the ability to recoup whatever was was, was lost if he lost significant amount of money from the deals that he signed at his heyday. Like that's what we don't know. Can you possibly imagine anyone taking a serious look at a 38 year old running back who's been out of the league for two years? Uh, I think last week we talked about Jim Brown and the cover of Sports <laughs> Illustrated at yes. 47. Yes. Talking about a comeback with the Raiders. No, I can't see that. But I couldn't see it five years ago when he bounced around. I mean, 20, I when you done. mentioned five years ago in 2018 with Washington, he had over 1,000 yards rushing and averaged over four yards a carry. I mean, that's the kind of production most teams are looking for. And they, Washington didn't bring him out. Did I mean, him both those years with Washington, he was productive. Uh, his yards per carry, 4.2, 4.3, but that's 2018-2019. You know, again, most teams time, now have running back by committee anyway. They do, but the other thing with that, and it's hard for stars to do this, and Ezekiel Elliott may suffer from this. In yesteryear, when these guys came into the league, the running back was still the marquee position, was still a featured back position, meaning you would get 20 to 25 touches. It has now become a shared position where you have role players kind of rotating in and out as part of a rotation. Adrian Peterson never saw himself other than the all-time great. Right. And so he had a tough time at the end of his tenure at Washington when he wasn't the starter. And every other place mm-hmm. that he's gone since, he he can't be the guy anymore. He's, he's Look, father time has passed him by. Like, it, 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 it wins. And so he's not that guy anymore. So it's going to be hard for him unless he's able to say, hey, I'm going to be a bit player. And the other thing, he doesn't play special teams. So if you give him a jersey on Sundays, you're talking about a one-dimensional player, a guy who only can play in small packages on offense and gives you nothing outside of that. One thing I remember of the story when he got drafted by Minnesota, remember he had injuries his last two years at Oklahoma after a historic freshman season, but they they told him from day one, do you want to play? Mm-hmm. He goes, what do you want to yeah, Of course I want to play. Then you have to block. Yeah, yeah. In the NFL, you're not going to play – at all, unless you can block. You have to be able to pass protection. You have to be able to block. And also, Adrian Peterson is an outstanding runner. He has never been a guy that was a major contributor in the passing game. Right. A guy, a guy's not going to catch a lot of passes. So, all right. So, it, it just, it's interesting you mentioned because I, I would think of myself like Adrian Peterson again, last running back to win the MVP award. Derrick Henry's been on the radar a couple of times. But once the Derrick Henrys, the Jonathan Taylors, maybe some of the last guys that we are seeing, you know, getting carries. I'm not talking about a, an Eckler type who's catching passes and running. I'm talking about 20 to 25 carries a game. Is this it? I mean, is that are we finally to the point now where that is going to be in, extinct? We're just not going to see that anymore from a running back. No, I believe it's all cyclical. I, I believe at some point you'll see it. 
kind of turn. It may not be in the next two or three years, but at some point the position will go back to being a major position. And it all depends on the level of your quarterback. If your quarterback is good, then you're less reliant on the running game and the running back. But if your quarterback skews more towards the middle and he's, he's more of an average quarterback, a game manager, well, then you need to have the support of the running game and those other things. And so it may never be what it was with Walter Payton, but it still have a significant role. If someone raised uh, as a USC fan, student body left, student body right. Mm. I mean, the year that Marcus Allen won the high swing, he had over 400 carries in 11 games. I mean, that's the good old days right there now. That's I mean, good, good stuff. Yeah, you, they build different. You can't, I mean, run, you can't run a running Over 40 carries a game. You can't give the ball that many times to somebody. <laughs> Why not? Oh, By the not, way, that guy played four criminal. years of college and then 16 years in the NFL. He held up. All right, on the other side, is LeBron James about to retire? What's the story? We got it for you. This is Fox Sports Saturday. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. On a day, we'll find out whether or not the Celtics can continue their march to history or will the NBA Finals be set. Once again, this is Fox Sports Saturday. Steve Harbin and Bucky Bricks with you. We are broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com, we're going to help get you there. An unmatched selection, fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. So Celtics heat coming up later on this evening, about three and a half hours away, tip-off of that game. And again, the Celtics are already were only 14 other teams have ever gone down 3-0 in a series. Out of 150 teams that have been down 3-0, only 14 have gotten as far as a Game 6. Only three have taken it to a Game 7. Uh, Heat would like to end this series, I'm sure. They do not want to go back to Boston uh, to win a Game 7. So going to be an interesting matchup. Um, we'll get an update on all the players that should be available. We haven't got a complete list. Uh, but obviously, huge game for both these teams coming up tonight. Uh, meanwhile, on the other side, uh, Bucky, it ended in a sweep. The Lakers, when you look back at the four games of this Western Conference Finals, every game pretty much played out the same way, mm-hmm. where they were close games. And in the end, the Nuggets, the better team, made the shots necessary to come out with the Ws. I mean, it just, there were no blowouts. There were no, you know, embarrassing losses for the Lakers. They were competitive. But it was the manner in which they lost the last game that raised a lot of eyebrows. So, my I bring up my son Garrett, who uh, is this diehard Laker fan, and he was highly critical of LeBron going into Game Four, saying he's he's as responsible as anyone else that the Lakers find themselves in this three zero hole. And he's a LeBron fan normally, but mm-hmm. he wasn't making any threes. You know what I was saying, and he wasn't dominating the way a guy like LeBron James has in the past when the game was on the line. So LeBron comes out in that game four. He took 13 shots in the first half, and he had 31 points. Mm -hmm. 31 points on just 13 shots. And completely dominated. And the Lakers had a a healthy 15-point lead at the half. By the end of the third quarter, they're down five. They only scored 16 points, and he barely touched the ball. And you're like, what's going on here? You just had LeBron dominate the first half, 
And then not only is he not productive scoring in the third quarter when the lead is completely evaporated, he's not even getting his hands on the ball. At the end, of course, obviously a shot that, you know, could have been a foul, could have been whatever, but uh, Denver was the better team. Then afterwards, LeBron was asked specific questions about next season, and he was hedging. First, he talked about the fact, well, I don't really know who's going to be on the roster. And then he took it next level where he started talking about, I really have to look into my future of basketball. And then away from the podium, he even admitted that maybe he would contemplate retirement. Mm. By the way, if he retires, he walks away from $100 million in salary. You're not, retirement is not an option. So $100 million is on the table mm-hmm. with a guaranteed money next year and a player option the following year, $100 million. Mm-hmm. So the question now is, why would he say that? Why would he even bring up the idea of retirement? Is this for him to say? Because he did make it clear, Bucky, that winning championships is the only thing that keeps him playing the game. That's his only motivation. It's not about money. It's not about accolades. I mean, you know, if you don't already buy into the idea that he's the GOAT, you never will. Even if he were to win another championship, it's not going to change. People would say, yeah, Jordan was six for six. He would be, you know, five for whatever. I'm one of those in his corner as far as him being the GOAT, but that aside. Um, so what is it? Is it a message, Bucky, to the Lakers organization that as impressive as this group was once they made these deals, had the best record in the West after the All-Star break and made a run to the Western Conference Finals, it's still not good enough for us to win a championship. What do you think was intended? Because LeBron doesn't do anything by accident after 20 years. What was his intention of saying what he said in the aftermath of losing the Western Conference Finals? There, there's a lot to unpack um, in, in your statements. One, your son talking about LeBron and not being able to dominate at the level. Uh, LeBron, in a weird way, LeBron and I are kindred spirits. So today, Steve, I was at my yoga class, Mm -hmm. and the yoga class is 60 minutes. And the way the yoga class goes is the first, I would say, first half of the class is all your your standing up, you're doing all your hard stuff, whatever. And then there's a core period right in the middle. Once you get to core, you know, okay, whew. This would be the equivalent of the beginning of the third quarter. We're downhill. I just got to get through the abs and then a couple different things and I'm out. And somewhere in there, after the abs, I could feel myself wearing down and fading fast. I'm wobbling. I'm woozy. I don't have gas to the point where I may have to go down in my knees in child's pose. So what LeBron did is in that first half when he gave us that vintage LeBron, at halftime the tank was on empty. And there was nothing else that they could put in the tank to bring it back, which is why you didn't see shots. You didn't see him really active because he was uh, he was fresh out, fresh out of him because he didn't have anything left. And LeBron talking about retirement, I think it's the first time that not only we can see the older version of LeBron, but I think he feels like an old man on the court. Not that he's, he hasn't been great. He's been great at his age. He's been great at 38. He's all-time scorer and all those other things. We have seen uh, guys like Kobe or whatever who weren't able to play at a high level like after they reach a certain age. He's been able to do that. I don't think he can continue to play if he doesn't have the support to be able to like, hey, man, I can give you this once every four or five games. I can give you this for 82 games. We have to figure out how AD or somebody else is going to carry this so – I can be available to play hard in the postseason. 
I think a lot of the retirement talk is to make the antennas perk up in the front office like, oh, okay, what does he want? What is he talking about? I think that's the conversation. Well, it's amazing when he now know for sure that he wasn't 100% physically. He had the injured foot that uh, may have to have surgery. We don't have that decision so, yet. Think about that. Surgery at 38. Well, and again, I, here here's the thing about a guy like LeBron James. So afterwards, he was talking about the fact that he still believes he's better than 90 to 95% of the players. Well, up until recently, he was better than 100% of the players. Yeah. I mean, there was nobody in the conversation. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you could throw out a Steph Curry, a Kevin Durant, mm-hmm. great players. None of them ever were LeBron when he was at his peak, which was as recently as a couple of years ago. So by his own omission, when he's saying, hey, I'm still better than 90 to 95%. Not the same. But in his mind, when you've been the best – can player you, in the game, can you play as one of the top 10% players in the league? Some guys can't make that adjustment. You remember Allen Iverson? You know, some teams were still interested in Iverson as a as a guy that could come off the bench and score. This guy averaged 41 minutes per game his entire career. Mm-hmm. The idea that he would come off the bench and play 16, 17, 20 minutes, nah. he couldn't do that. Look, and so, think about how hard it was for Carmelo. Same thing. I'm a starter. I'm a dude. We talked about Adrian Peterson. Some guys can make it. Yeah. Others can't. And I just can't see. This is what I've I've talked about with a guy like uh, Tiger Woods in golf. I mean, he could still show up, you know, the ceremonial like Arnold Palmer did for 30 years at the Masters and wave to the crowd and miss the cut. That's not Tiger Woods. Nicholas wasn't that way. Nicholas felt like if I'm not competitive, I'm gone. I'm not a ceremonial guy. I play to win. And so that's that's what's where I think part of that is coming from from LeBron James. Now, as far as putting a team together that can compete, if this Nuggets team goes on to win the NBA championship, mm. <laughs> if they win the NBA championship, yeah. then there's your standard in the moment, right? They're the best team. And you were competitive against that team in all four games. They just made better plays, plus their core unit had been together for several years. You know, we talk about where they were in 2020 when they lost the Western Conference Finals to the Lakers in the bubble and where they are three years later. Well, a more mature team, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you were to bring everybody back from this core of Lakers and bring back the Reeves and the Hachimuras and some of the guys that showed that can get it done. By the way, what would you do with D'Angelo Russell? Are you waving goodbye to D'Angelo? what what are you going to do there? I think it depends on what can you bring in. I think your options depend on what you end up doing with him. You know, the thing that you have to have is you have to have another score that can take some of the load off LeBron and AD because you expected at this stage, this is what it was supposed to be. It was supposed to be AD plays the role of Magic while LeBron plays the role of Kareem. It becomes AD's team, and LeBron goes from being the first option to the second option. It hasn't materialized like that consistently enough for us to be confident and say, hey, this is how the team is going to be. So now you need a third player to be able to make up for when AD's not there or when LeBron's not there. And so I don't know if that's D'Angelo Russell. And so based on how he played against the Nuggets, man, it makes it hard to say, hey, we're going to rock with him, even though he did do great things when he came Came over. By the way, he made thirty-one million this year. 
Oh, that's a lot of money. It's a lot of yellow cake. You, 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 there's no justification there's for the Lakers to give him that kind of money. Oof. But here's the thing. After a horrific series that he had where he got benched, benched um, against the Nuggets, I, I say I can't imagine a team giving him that kind of money, but there's always somebody that jumps up and say, oh, wow, you know, D'Angelo Russell, we can get him. All right, on the other side, uh, I, there's two – Two names I got to throw at at you, Bucky, uh, in terms of their future. Speaking of the Los Angeles Lakers, as they're watching from the sidelines to see which two teams will match up uh, in the NBA Finals, this is Fox Sports Saturday. Steve. Juan Gabriel. Juan Selena. Selena. Celia Cruz. Azúcar. Carol G. La Bichota. Christina Aguilera. Extina. Just to name a few. We're serving the whole story. From rags to riches. And all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royalty. Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Aw, Joseph. Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of us. We're figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, it it would have been been juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Harvin Bucky Brooks, Fox Sports Saturday. We are coming to you live from the TireRack.com studios. We'll have much more on tonight's matchup between the Celtics and the Heat. Can the Celtics keep alive their dream of making history? 
as the first team ever to overcome a 3-0 deficit in an NBA playoff series. One team that did not make history, the Los Angeles Lakers, who went down in four straight, which, by the way, is the norm for a team down 3-0. Normally, the team that's down 3-0 goes down 4-0, and that's it. Um, but the Celtics, a uh, little different path. The Lakers, in the aftermath, uh, LeBron James certainly raising a few eyebrows by even hinting that maybe he's contemplating retirement. Let's put that aside, and I'm with you, Buck. He's not going to walk away from $100 million. Mm. He's not going to go mm. out like that. The message is clear, though, that he is maybe not 100% convinced that the team they have right now is good enough to win a championship. And I do believe him when he says that the only thing keeping him playing is the opportunity to win a championship. Close doesn't count. Close does tell you, though, that you are just that. You're close if you add the right pieces. But before we add a piece, we still have to resolve one piece that's there, and that is Anthony Davis. And when you look at this roller coaster ride he has throughout the playoffs offensively, and even defensively. A lot of people are saying the reason that he's having a roller coaster ride is very simple. He's not in shape. I mean, playing every other day at a high level, the added intensity of being a playoffs, he's just not physically capable of doing that. He can he can play at a very high level, sort of down, and then come back big. Well, that doesn't cut it when you're in the playoffs. Now, we know in 2020 when they won the championship in the bubble, first of all, there was no travel involved. So not only did they have months to get ready for the bubble, but they had the added rest of not having to travel or really worry about anything other than walking from their hotel room to the bubble to play the game. So it was a perfect environment for someone like Anthony Davis, who's had injury troubles his entire life. So let me ask you this. As a man that takes physical fitness seriously... If they were to take an Anthony Davis and he was a willing participant in whatever you would suggest to get him more physically ready for an upcoming NBA season, where he's not going to play 50 games, maybe gives you 70 games and still have enough gas left to have consistent input in all the playoff series all the way to the finish line, is there a physical fitness regiment that you think would fit somebody like Anthony Davis. Okay, so I think for us, it's unrealistic to think that Anthony Davis will play 70 games. He hasn't done that of late. So what we were trying to do is we're trying to get him fresh and ready to go for the postseason. He has to play enough where he's in rhythm and ready to rock by the postseason. And I know everyone hates load management, but sometimes with these guys, you have to have your schedule days off. You have to make sure that he doesn't play on back-to-backs, that you build in a week where you're going to give him time off, and it has to be done in concert with the coaching staff. And it should also be done in rhythm with LeBron James, who also probably requires the same amount of stuff. And so you have to have these days on the calendar so everyone kind of knows what's going ahead, and maybe you have a rolling calendar where if, if AD is off, we need to make sure that LeBron is up within reason, like you you can't control the injuries that may happen doing the thing, but you want to have a plan like that. And you would like to have a third star that might be able to carry it if those two guys need off at the same time. But whatever it is, it's what I thought Russell Westbrook was going to be able to do. 
that it wasn't about Russell's style of play. It was about when LeBron and AD are out, Russ can go get buckets on his own. And he can single-handedly kind of be the offensive spearhead that allows everyone else to kind of play and they win without those two. Didn't work out, didn't happen. But it has to be thought about it in that aspect from a team builder. Here's what we're going to do. Because I don't think it's realistic to think that both of those guys are going to play more than 60 games. All right. So the name Kyrie Irving. Uh, First Mm. of all, can we dismiss this Kyrie Irving situation? The amount of money he would have to leave on the table in order to join the Lakers is substantial. Substantial. Mm. Kyrie does not strike me as someone that is going to leave a ton of money on the table. Frankly, I wouldn't leave a ton of money on the table. To what? Join a now 39-year-old LeBron James and an injury-prone Anthony Davis? The three-headed monster no longer plays. That may have played 10 years ago when Kyrie was with, you know, LeBron and a younger Kevin Love. Or certainly back when LeBron was with a, a Dwayne Wade and a Chris Boss in their prime, it is clear that LeBron is not in his prime. Thirty-eight going on thirty-nine, and can we say Anthony Davis is an old thirty? I think it's pretty safe to say he's an old thirty because his body keeps breaking down. His so body, I don't understand why yeah, why anyone even consider. But let's let's play along with the fantasy for just mm-hmm. a moment here. Let's play the let's play the fantasy game where Kyrie says, "Yeah, I'm walking away from tens of millions of dollars because so I just option. can't wait he, because he has a player option is that what he has? Yeah, yeah, I play. Uh, yeah, oh, so okay. he he could join the Lakers. I mean, it's going to cost them, but they can't pay him as much as Dallas can to keep him. But let's let's play the fantasy for a second here. Let's say you get a willing Kyrie Irving to take less money to join LeBron and Anthony Davis. Do you have trust in Kyrie with all the antics that have involved, as immensely talented as he is? And I dare say his guard skills are better than any other in this league. Mm. I mean, he's he's a fantastic player. Phenomenal talent. So what I would... Would you say that that would be the piece that would put the Lakers over the top? I think it would help them. But now you got three guys that you're having to rotate because they're only playing 60 games apiece each. Right. (laughs) But the the thing about it is Mm -hmm. he is such a bucket. I mean, he can get his he can get a bucket whenever we saw with the Mavericks and all that. And I think he got a bad rep with the Mavericks and what happened after that. They not only got him, but they got rid of everybody around him. Right. That was more so the issue than anything. Well, you would have to do the same thing with Kyrie, though. You couldn't. You can't keep everybody. When just saw Phoenix got their team, they get Kevin Durant. How that look? Yeah, I mean, cost Monty great. Williams his job. It it, it did. <laughs> it did you did. remember? I asked you. I said, "How does Monty Williams have a job?" And then, like an hour later, he was like, "Oh, that's amazing." It, it it is. It is amazing. Poor Monty. Yeah. When it came to it. Yeah. Last year's NBA Coach of the Year, by the way. I know. Suddenly forgot how to coach. Yeah. Yeah, and that may, it's, <laughs> it's amazing how it works. It's a different deal. All right, so let me ask you this about the guy that was the breakout star for the Lakers, Austin Reeves. So he played great, no question about that, and formerly undrafted player. And teams are going to offer him money, and the Lakers can match. If a team like the Rockets offers him Jordan Poole money, hmm. 20 mil, mm. 15, 20 mil a year. 
If you're the Lakers, do you have to say, we got to keep him? I mean, how far will you go? And do you believe that this Austin Reeves that we saw down the stretch is the kind of player we can project for the next five years? Can he build on that and, and become that player? He's a good player for him all year. I mean, he's 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 a really good player. He does it the right way. He plays hard. Um, you can trust him in that regard. That's a lot of money. But then I, the going rate, you told me that D'Angelo Russell is making 30. Yeah. If he's making 30, I certainly give Austin Reeves anywhere from 15 to 20 annually. Right. I mean, well, that's a like uh, Jordan Poole made, you know, the, I mean, the Warriors yes. gave him that big deal that kicks in next yeah. year. Um, well, over and, 20 and I million. Saw, I saw that Austin Rivers talked about their skill set not being on, on par and those things. But. It appears to me that Austin Reeves is just a better teammate, you know. Right. So I'm willing to pay a little bit of the nice guy tax for Austin Reeves. He just fits what they're doing, and so if LeBron is back and he knows and is very comfortable with Austin Reeves because he developed a comfort level and being able to give him the ball and do all that other stuff, yeah, I want to bring him back. By the way, can we make a, another thing clear? I'm with you 100 percent that LeBron is not retiring. I'm also give you 100 percent he's not getting traded. LeBron's career will end as a Los Angeles Laker. Yeah, his son is playing it at USC. Right. He's not He's, he's not, not going, going to anywhere. He's not going to go elsewhere. I know people are trying to speculate about all kinds of trades. That is just gibberish, okay? It, 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 there are no trades. Mm-hmm. If the Lakers don't want him, say it. They want him. He need they need LeBron James on the marquee to fill those seats. Yes. You take him off the marquee, why do you think they signed Kobe Bryant to that three-year deal after he blew his Achilles? Oh, man. Because he's Kobe Bryant. Yeah. Even if he wasn't the same player, his name. They pay, they pay for that, though. Yeah. They hurt that. They did. They hurt the Lakers. But guess what? Time. They kept – and by the way, that's when they had just done their uh, new uh, – what was then Time Warner Cable deal. I know. Time Warner Cable told him, you need to keep him. We can't rid ourselves of Kobe Bryant. We have a reason for people to watch. Same thing with LeBron James. All right. Let's find out what is trending right now. He is the Neil Frazier. <laughs> In the sports talk world, do you, are you even familiar with the Australian Neil Frazier? I am not. How far back are you not going here? Frazier, Frazier. Uh, he is a prominent name from the uh, 60s, Neil mm. Frazier. Uh, he won Wimbledon. Uh, he won Australian. He, he won major Grand Slam. Lefty Neil Frazier, N E A L E. Uh, but he had an interesting career. I, I was like minus twenty five or minus thirty at that point. <laughs> Even I was barely alive. And when I say I'm barely alive, you know it's going back in time. <laughs> but he's, you know, he's, he's. I mean, if you want to get into a little tennis history, yeah, Neil Fraser is a guy that uh, should be remembered. And by the way, we're talking about pickleball last hour. For anybody who sweats playing pickleball, it's because you were playing the sport in a hot yoga studio. There's the, that's the only way. <laughs> Hold on, we had Shay are... come in. Shay came in here. That, that's what I told him. Yeah, he I said s- he's he's sweating literally his you know what's off because he he does do this in inside a hot yoga How studio. How old is he? 14? <laughs> Something like that, right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love Shay. When, when I was his age playing pick up basketball, yeah. I barely broke a sweat. 
Hey, I'm breaking a sweat in this studio. We've got the AC going on. There's something <laughs> wrong with say, me. You, you got the door open and everything else. Is there something going on in there? What's happening? Yeah. I'll, leave that, a- <laughs> I'll leave that to the imagination. Because yeah. uh, we do have the hot yoga in the, in this building, by the way. Did, have they incorporated in your room there? or what, what's you, going on? you can kind of feel it up against the wall. <laughs> I actually did hot yoga yesterday. It sounds like, Bucky, you might have done some hot yoga this morning. Uh, yeah, every, every day we're in there. Every day we're yeah. here trying to figure it out. What do, what, what do we out. have to do to get Steve to do some hot yoga? You know what? It's frightening to me. Look, at I, I do my, It's frightening? <laughs> here's, it is. Frightening. Because, well, first of all, my advanced age. Look, I get my workouts in. I think I'm in reasonable shape for a man my age. Uh, but hot yoga scares me because I've, I've heard some, you know, over-the-top stories. Oh, we're not going to put you in there. We're not going like, to have it like crazy. We're gonna, did did we're Rich Hornberger ever tell you about his yoga story? Did he almost pass out? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And he had some a female instructor that was just like a drill sergeant for him to maintain, you know, certain, you know, poses or whatever they do in that. Uh, yeah, that's not that's not how it's supposed to be. It's, look, you're mad as you're mad. Your journey is your journey. Oh, no. You should be able to no, tap out when you tap she, out. She was cracking the whip on him. She didn't give him CPR, did she? Maybe that's no. what maybe that's what Rich no, wanted. She, maybe if, wanted. Yeah. If, if, basically told him, you pass out, we carry out, and that's it. <laughs> If you stay hydrated, you'd be surprised. I think you could handle it. And how much how much uh, fluid do you drink during a hot yoga? Uh, I take my little hydro flask in there. It's maybe a 32-ouncer. And what's in that? Uh, just water. Just water? Not yeah. even vitamin water or anything? No, just water. Just wow. Aqua. Okay, like, very good. Yeah. And then you probably want to take your shirt off just because that's just no, what I you don't, need to do. I, don't, I, I always feel like it's, every dude has their shirt off. I don't want to see all that. So yeah, I keep but I'm with on. you there. Ladies you. don't have their shirts off. <laughs> exactly. It's not fair. <laughs> John Ramos, you had your shirt off doing the hot yoga today? What the hell happened? I will there? stay away from the hot. I'm with you, Steve. <laughs> yeah. We don't need that oh. hot yoga. You know, you just have to do a reasonable amount and decent diet. That's pretty much it. <laughs> what is going on in the NBA, and it's certainly hot news, is Adrian Griffin. Say hello to Adrian Griffin. He is the new head coach, according to ESPN and other reports, for the Milwaukee Bucks. He had spent the last 16 seasons in the NBA as an assistant coach, and he beats down Kenny Atkinson, who is a Warriors assistant, for the opportunity, even having to go through in the vetting process a one-on-one interview, the finalist with Giannis Adentacumpo, and apparently got the approval from Giannis as Griffin, who was undrafted, started playing in the CBA out of college, is getting his first opportunity to be an NBA head coach. Speaking of the NBA tonight, at 8.30 Eastern, it's Game 6 of the Eastern Conference Finals. Miami is hosting this one. Celtics have won the last two games in this series. Miami trying to close it out for a third time ahead three games to two. Major League Baseball, Rangers are ahead of the Orioles, 2 to nothing. bottom of the sixth there. Meanwhile, we do have a 2-1 lead for the Astros against the Athletics, top of the sixth inning, a game that is played in in Oakland, and they might have like 20 people at that game. The Dodgers are in front of the Rays, 3-2. That one is in the fifth inning, and what has gotten into Max Muncy? Has a home run, has another RBI, also scored a run himself off a wild pitch, so he has his fingerprints all over the Dodgers' offense right now. Braves are chilling the Phillies 2 to nothing as the Braves have been two hit by Philly starter Zach Wheeler, and this is a game that can be seen on FS1. Finals, the Padres lose in 10 innings against the Yankees 3-2 to on a walk-off. Tigers get past the White Sox 7-3, and the Twins 
edged the Blue Jays 9-7 in a game that featured seven home runs collectively. And lastly, guys, Harris English is now in a tie with Harry Hall. Those oh, two. <laughs> Harris and Harry? Harris and Harry. <laughs> they are in a share of the lead at 10 under for the week third round we are witnessing here of the Charles Schwab Challenge. Now, Harry Hall started out on the outward nine with back-to-back doubles. Be very careful when you say his last name. Yes. Well, well, well point. Well, well, well said. And uh, I... I'm going to hand it right back off to you guys before we go anywhere else with that. But yeah, yeah, Hall, English, they are still on the course on their front nine, and it's one-shot leads for both of them, each at 10 under. Let's get it back to Bucky Brooks and Steve Hartman. <laughs> There's so I'll many things started. you could do with that I name. know. There are just so many things. Uh, I'll leave it alone. I've learned that over the years. Thank you so much, uh, B-Fan. We'll talk to you a little bit later on. Once again, we're coming to you live from the TireRack.com studios. Uh, I want to switch gears again to the NFL with you, Bucky, because I saw the brief story. Derek Carr now, of course, the quarterback of the New Orleans Saints, and... They got Dennis Allen as the head coach. Of course, he was formerly, briefly, the ill-fated coach of the uh, Raiders. Uh, that didn't work out very well. But John Gruden was brought in to help them sort of put together the offense for the upcoming season for Derek Carr. So apparently some trust between Derek Carr and John Gruden. What, what, was, what was your thoughts about John Gruden, uh, who was – Let's put it this way. John Gruden had become or is being touted as the new John Madden, right? I mean, a a, a Super Bowl winning coach that became a celebrity as an announcer. Uh, I didn't I never thought of Gruden in terms of talent as an announcer. They had the same gravitas of a John Madden. The, the, The reason John Madden was as successful a broadcaster as he was is that he was able to pull off what every broadcaster intends to do. In other words, be themselves, mm-hmm. and people liked Madden. He gave them the X's and O's that they needed if you were a hardcore football fan, and they gave you just the natural goofiness that appealed to everybody else. It was a, a once-in-a-lifetime situation. I never thought of Gruden as that, but... He had a tremendous run as a analyst for ESPN, was doing his little coaches thing. I actually enjoyed that more than his game calls. And then he gets this $100 million deal with the Raiders to return to coaching in the NFL, and then those emails escape. And now he's done, blackballed. No one's going to hire the guy as an announcer. No one's going to hire him as a head coach. Unfair? Or did the punishment fit the crime, in your opinion? I mean, this is a tricky one for me because I played for John Gruden back in 98 and 99. Um, he had worked me out years ago when he was with the Green Bay Packers as a wide receiver coach. I was a receiver in the draft that year. And so we had a rapport. When I played for him with the Raiders, uh, it was his first stint with the Raiders. It was his first season. And loved the energy, loved the ingenuity, loved all the stuff that he was bringing. He built that Raiders team back up that eventually competed in the Super Bowl that lost to his Tampa Bay team. Second go-around didn't go as well. I feel like he was still a little bit in yesteryear when it came to his methods and the way that he did it. The -the off-the-field stuff when it came to like the emails and disparaging stuff and all of those things, it's hard to separate the coach and the person that I knew from that. I will say this. 
great offensive mind, and I'm not saying that uh, no one should be given second chances. And so if he's able to kind of find his way back into the league as a consultant, as someone who has a lot of wisdom and the ability to help quarterbacks, yeah, you can bring him in. But before he does that, he has to just make the apology, offer penance, talk about where he's grown and gone from the situation so we can just kind of move on and put it behind. I, but he's certainly one of the best coaches that I've ever been around and that I've ever played for. Well, we never got clarification on what kind of contract settlement he had with the Raiders. Remember, he had a 10-year – well, first of all, we don't know the specifics of any NFL head coach's contract. Does that bother you as a player that we get every single detail of every player's contract and yet nothing? I mean, we hear rumors about, well, he's making this or he's making that. There's no concrete evidence to any of this. No, we don't know. I mean, we heard that, well, Gruden got a 10-year, $100 million contract. Really? I don't know. Did he? People talk about, like, Belichick. Yeah, he's making $15 million a year. I mean, it's all speculation. We don't have any. It is all speculation. Does that bother you? Why why can't the coaches have their contracts exposed like the players? Like, all of it is tilted where the players kind of get all the brunt of everything. And everyone else is protected status from ownership to coaches. And those things. Yeah, I would like to know what they're making. Like, yeah, put it out there. On how much is how big is the deal? Let's let's see what, what it is. So without knowing what it is, I do think it's interesting that Dennis Allen brought John Gruden in to teach that offense to Derek Carr. And to me, it appears that the New Orleans Saints are trying to meet their new quarterback halfway. They're trying to make sure they put things in that are very comfortable and familiar to him so he can play well, right out the gate. They feel like this is a great opportunity. When you look at the quarterbacks in the NFC, it is wide open. You can say, okay, Jalen Hurst is the best quarterback. Who's number two? It's wide open. You got Kirk Cousins, Jerry Goff, Dak Prescott, Derek Carr. Who? So they have a realistic opportunity to make a Super Bowl run if they can get the quarterback playing well. So it makes sense for why they brought Gruden in to help with the install. Oh, I think it's brilliant. I mean, because when you bring in a veteran quarterback, mm-hmm, who's had some level of success as Derek Carr has had. (laughs) I want to make sure that we're in a system that's going to make him work Mm -hmm. at a hundred percent, something he's comfortable with. That only makes sense, right? This is what, this is what has always bothered me, especially about the national football league, where you're trying to plug a a square peg in a round hole Mm -hmm. where you're, you're taking a talent Okay, we know what you did there. Well, here's how we do things here. And suddenly there's a drop-off in their production. Well, what happened? How about instead of putting that player in a position to succeed, you put him in a position to fail? Yeah, You're the one responsible, not the player. You're the one that was responsible because you didn't figure out the system that makes that player play uh, at the highest level. All right, coming up on the other side, we got a lot of NBA to get to, including the Celtics Heat matchup. Who's the one player that has to show up for the Heat tonight to avoid the embarrassment of taking this series to a Game 7? We'll tell you this. It's Fox Sports Saturday. Wow, John. Juan Gabriel. Juan Selena. Selena. Celia Cruz. Azúcar. Carol G. La Bichota. 
Christina Aguilera. Ex-Tina. Just to name a few. We're serving the whole story. From rags to riches. And all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royalty. Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Aw, Joseph! Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Promise in the house. Hey, uh, John, does, uh, does your daughter have a date with high school graduation? She does. She'll be graduating from high school this Upcoming Thursday, June the 1st. That's a big moment. It By the is. way, you know, it's interesting. My, so my kids uh, were uh, graduates of class of 2015, 16, and 19. If you look at the photos of me at my three children's high school graduations, I'm wearing the exact same shirt, slacks, and shoes. You know my consistency in my in my gear. I do. Yes, yes, Steve. Uh, And and so in all three photos, that's unbelievable. I am wearing the exact same outfit. I like consistency. That is that is unbelievable. The the question I would have for you, Steve, is: I know you see that you recognize that. The question would be: Does everybody else recognize? See, that's that's the thing, and I I came to this realization, like on television, all the years that I've been doing television in L.A. I only have two suits. 
and three shirts. Mm, I like simplicity. So I, I have a gray suit that has a purple shirt, purple tie, and then I have a blue suit, nice blue, uh, where I have the UCLA colors I like call with like the yellow shirt with the the baby blue tie and then a blue shirt with a red tie. And it was funny, our news director, I used to walk in with that blue suit. Every time he saw me, he would say something, hey, love the suit. I've literally been wearing the suit on the same station for years, literally years. So when you say, does anybody really notice? I figured this out a long time ago. The answer is no. That's good. I, 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 always, I always tell my kids this, you know, like they, oh, I can't go out. I got, you know, my, I'm having a bad hair day or I got a pimple or something. I go, nobody's looking. <laughs> I promise you, nobody is looking. You're looking. I think. I think. But nobody else cares. I think that's unbelievable. Two suits, three shirts. Yeah, on an LA TV station for years, every week. Same. Brian, Brian is behind the glass, just absolutely, just incredulous. See, well, fan, if you look at, if you were to literally, you know, how many years I anchoring the weekends? Yeah, same two suits. Two questions for you: Are yeah. you talking about the shoes, the New Balance, the Velcro ones that you've been wearing for thirty years? <laughs> and when it comes to you being on the desk, how many times have you worn shorts? Underneath the cover of the desk, well, with first the suit of all, on top. When I when I went to my news station years ago, I do stand-ups. I don't sit behind a desk. Oh, now when I first started, I did work with people that sat behind a desk, and I tried it one time. We had a weather guy. I'm not kidding mm-hmm. you. Who literally had a you know coat, tie, and shirt. Not only did he have shorts on while standing. He had flip-flops on. Oh, God. Oh, man. And I would watch him, because I'm seeing this, obviously, and I'm like, if he takes one step back, (laughs) he's totally exposed. But he was a master. He knew exactly where to stand so you wouldn't know it. And and that was his gear every time. I don't don't even know what to say to that. Not only shorts, but flip-flops? Flip-flops. Oh, yeah. On stage? On stage. Shorts, like, yeah, like, short shorts and I, flip-flops. I feel like the TV guys are just cringe. <laughs> like, Bucky, it, it, Bucky it can me. you get away with that at the NFL Network? Like, will they let you do that in general? Um, you can get away with some of the stuff if you're sitting down, but but most of the time it, it's too dynamic. You're standing up, you're doing stuff. It depends on how many cameras are operating on a day. But I get the, the local TV look. Like, I've had people I used to work with uh, – those guys don't speak, and Whitlock and Marcellus, and sometimes they would come in with sweats and all that, but you just top. But I am more impressed with the three suits, the two <laughs> suits and three shirts. Like, to me, that is more the thing. Now, I learned from my guy I always give, Paul Burmeister. He talked about, hey, man, just invest in two nice high-end suits and do it that way. Don't go and get five and right. all these, just two Expense nice suits and then just switch to shirt and tie game. But that what you're talking about. Yeah. Well, the, and and, and well, these were custom suits. Thing. You know, my yeah. shoulders being that they are. All right, I forgot to tell you who is the must player for the Miami Heat. We'll save it for the other side. <laughs> this is Fox Sports Saturday. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Rolling along on a day in which 
A march to history may continue or our NBA Finals matchup will be set, although the Finals won't start until Thursday. This is Fox Sports Saturday, and we're broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com, we're going to help get you there in unmatched selection, fast free shipping. Free road hazard protection, over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buy-in should be. All right, we're two and a half hours away from tip-off game six. Eastern Conference Finals, the Miami Heat will host the Boston Celtics. Uh, the Celtics, by the way, now are 4-0 and in this postseason in closeout games. Remember, they had to win the last two against the Sixers to pull out that series in seven. Now they have won two closeout games to extend this series to six games. So the Miami Heat, uh, after their... Loss, and it was a very one-sided game, uh, game five in Boston. No surprise, really. It was almost a mailing game. In fact, the the starters for Miami only scored 44 points. I mean, they barely played. They they cleared the bench. uh, Martin and Highsmith, Robinson played a lot of minutes in that game. So we look ahead to the game tonight, and there's two names I want to bring up. The one name, obviously, is Jimmy Butler, who really didn't even show up. For this last game, in fact, in 34 minutes, they were a negative 24 with Jimmy mm. on the court, which is very un-Jimmy Butler-like. But he also had only 14 points in this game. So they've jammed up things inside Boston, uh, and that means that Jimmy Butler, who is as adept as any player in this league of getting to his spot on the floor. Kobe was a master of this as well back in the day. Didn't mean that his spot on the floor was 28 feet out. Yeah, You know, it was mid-range jumpers. Butler's not a big three-point shooter. He knows his spots on the court, and he is able to find those spots and get the shots that he feels most comfortable with. That has always been a strength of Jimmy Butler's game. So he's going to have to do that. Uh, but again, if Jimmy Butler doesn't play at a high level, predictably the Heat don't play at a high level. There are very few players in this league right now that have – that kind of impact on their teammates. But it is safe to say, as Jimmy Butler goes, so go the Miami Heat. Yeah, no, I mean, there's there's a lot of truth to that. Jimmy Butler is a huge uh, catalyst for what the Miami Heat have been able to do offensively. And he needs to play well for this team to play at their best and to close out games. Uh, that said, I think the, the most important player is not only Jimmy Butler, I would say it's Bam Adebayo. Bam Adebayo has been the one that has been the, the difference in terms of how well the Heat have played in the wins and how poorly they played in the losses. When he plays well and gets over 20, they have a tendency to win games. He needs to play big. He got a little too cute the last couple of games, too many turnovers from the Heat in general, and they haven't rebounded. Turnovers, offensive rebounds, like deficit and then allowing them to shoot a million threes, that is a recipe for disaster in any level, high school, college, and beyond. And so they have to tighten up on that part, eliminate the turnovers, make sure they dominate the glass. They do those things, they have a chance to win. All right, so there's one other player I wanted to bring up that, in my opinion, has to be productive. Doesn't necessarily have to be the star of the game for the Heat, but they need production. And that is Kyle Lowry. Because it does appear that Gabe Vincent is not ready to come back from that ankle injury. He's listed as questionable. Same thing he was listed for game five, and he didn't show up in that game. Mm -hmm. Kyle Lowry in this game five 
in 30 minutes, took only five shots. He had five points, two rebounds, one assist, and four turnovers. Too many turnovers. I mean, come on. I mean, that's. I mean, this is a six-time All-Star. I've always been a Kyle Lowry fan. Always. Because he is he's a big-time player. He plays big. And he completely disappeared in this game. He can't do that at home. This is not going to be the hostile crowd they had in TD Garden in Boston. These fans of Miami are going to be on their feet throughout this game, rooting this team on to get to the NBA Finals. And Kyle Lowry is going to have to, at the very least, he's going to start. I don't know if Vincent will be available, but it's clear that that ankle injury, which looked pretty serious when we saw it happen, and sat out game five is not going to be much of a factor in game six if he plays at all. So you've got you've got to have other options here. You mentioned obviously your stars and Butler and Adebayo. Who else? I mean, guys off the bench: Martin, Highsmith, Robinson. They have points. It's hard to gauge the points that they scored in Game Five because it was really garbage time uh, almost from the get go. But Kyle Lowry is a big game player, and I know there's a lot of tread on the tires, but they only need him for this one game. In other words, I assume that Gabe Vincent, if they get to the finals with all the added days off, will be ready to go. And it's not like Gabe Vincent is some do-or-die player, but he's had some productive games offensively. But they've got to get something out of Kyle Lowry in this game tonight, or I predict it will go to a Game 7. So here's what I wonder if you're Eric Spolstra. Do you sit Gabe Vincent out, even if he could play maybe at 65%? And wait, hey, if we don't win this, we need him fully ready to go game seven. Do we sit him out two games just in case we may have to go game seven? I start Kyle Lowry, hoping that we're going to get more. Again, Kyle Lowry is a champion. He's been in big games. He's a veteran. He's a marginal Hall of Fame candidate. Six-time All-Star. He's been to All-Star game six times, really? Yeah. Six years in a row he made the All-Star team. Wow. You don't think of Kyle Lowry in those terms, I, but he I, did. I definitely do. But you got to get something. Now, if he doesn't, if if game six starts out as a repeated game five and Gabe Vincent can play, absolutely I'm going to throw him in there. Because you need a spark. You need something. You can't just lean on Jimmy Butler and Adebayo to get it done. They can't have a repeat of being down 15 at the end of the first quarter. Home court, you got to be leading at the end. If the Celtics are leading this game at the end of the first quarter – Celtics will win this game. See, I, I think it's more because it, it's a confidence quarter. thing with the Celtics. Well, you about I, mean, I mean, they're front runners. Yeah, I mean, they jump out in front. They play from ahead. Like they're they're good. Now, if it's the wave, what you're hoping for if you're Miami is the wave of emotional uh, energy and burst that you'll get from the home crowd. I think it's a whiteout trying to wrap it up. Like where ten role players tend to play better at home. Yeah, if they if they are able to kind of stave off that initial outburst and play from ahead, yeah, I mean you can tough sledding. However, if it's a thirteen one run early, they're down double digits early. Who knows what it'll look like? Because then they'll start playing one on one. Right now they play team ball. Yeah, like three guy, four guys over twenty points the other day. That's perfect for the Celtics, but that's not how they normally get down. Normally it's Brown goes, Tatum goes, I go, you go, back and forth. A week ago today. We were talking about the Celtics going into game three. And I said, because Tatum was awful in the first two games, didn't make a single field goal in the fourth quarter of either games one or two at home, that you have to put the ball in the hands of Jalen Brown. 
Apparently, Jason Tatum was listening because after the Game 3 fiasco, Tatum has been off the charts. Meanwhile, where is Jalen Brown? Where is he? I mean, Tatum's been phenomenal. He's kind of come in there. I think he went 3 for 5 the other night from 3. But a lot of people are saying that this dynamic of these two all-NBA players, Tatum or Brown, has reached the end. If the Celtics lose tonight, if this series ends, and once again they fall short of where they expect to be, and that's winning an NBA championship, would you break up that duo? No. I wouldn't break them up because I don't think it's fair to break them up right now. This team is loaded. I mean, the team is loaded. The team is talented. The team should have been number one seed based on the talent that they have. Um, coach got built a bad hand three days before training camp he gets named a head coach doesn't get a chance to bring his assistance doesn't get a chance to build his offense and defensive schemes and those things kind of thrust upon the players i think you keep it together at least for one more run i mean they they, they no one has won more games than this crew of the last four or five years they yeah just, but they haven't been able i mean they beginning into the gotta conference finals the, gotta keep knocking on the door one run to, to the finals last to the year finals. the thing you can't be you can't be short sighted and say, Oh my gosh, we, we're doing it. look at all the coaches who've been fired because you think about the Bucks. A couple years ago they win the finals and two years later they're off on another coach. I think continuity and consistency, you want to keep it together. Just keep pushing if it doesn't work out. So the Bucks have hired a new coach. Yeah, Adrian Griffin. How about that? Isn't Adrian Griffin been like an assistant coach for every team in the league? I mean, he played for every team in the league. <laughs> I mean, that's what happens. Normally, Actually, I'm happy for the Bucks that they didn't get – I mean, if you're going to get rid of a guy like Budenholzer, why would you bring in Nick Nurse? Why would you bring in a Frank Vogel? Why would you bring in a Monty well, Williams? My, well, my, my thing Doc was, Rivers. Why would you bring in somebody else's – Everybody they were saying was just a – no disrespect. They were just average coaches. Like, you look at their records and stuff, it was like Kenny Atkinson, Nick Nurse, and yeah. Adrian Griffin. Like, you, you're getting the same stuff. Why move off of Budenholzer if – you're not getting a clear upgrade. I'm not saying that Adrian Griffin's going to be an upgrade, but we don't know. We haven't seen him. We've seen the other guys. We know what their product is. Well, we didn't know about Steve Kerr when the Warriors hired him over Mark Jackson, now did we? No, we didn't. We had no idea. Didn't he do did a good job of taking what Mark left right. and elevating it? Are you a fan of the Van Gundy brothers? As broadcasters or as coaches? Well, they're both ex-coaches, so nobody. I'm talking I mean, about know, the yeah. fact that we alternate from one Van Gundy to another, from one NBA series to another, that a Van Gundy is front and center. Are you a fan? I'm okay with that. The, I mean, I kind of okay like, does. Like, I, that's not what I said. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. F- I'm, I'm fine with it. In like, other words, you really I'm don't. Excited. You're not if listening you me, to them. If you ask me who I would who's want. Your, who's your favorite NBA analyst? Hubie Brown. Hubie Brown. I, like I want that. Hubie Brown on there because when I watch – the games and Hubie Brown is, is calling it. I'm going to learn something. He's going to teach me something where I'm like, oh, okay, that that makes sense. If I was still playing pickup, I'm gonna go do that. I'm gonna run right up under the rim and post up. I agree with you, Hubie Brown. And by the way, Hubie was elected to the Basketball Hall of Fame as a contributor. I mean, he had some success as a mm-hmm. coach, obviously. Uh, the late great uh, Dr. Jack Ramsey was the same. Oh, one. I like Dr. Jack. Yeah, he was, was another guy yeah, like, that you I know. Like that. Yeah, but you and I are different. You know, I don't know. Yeah, I, I like I like being. I want to I want a coach to teach me the game, teach me what I'm seeing. I just don't want. I, and look, it needs to be entertaining. But there was something about when Hubie is on, 
I'm going to tune in because I'm going to learn something about basketball. He's going to talk about strategy. He's going to give me tactics and all that other stuff. Here's the problem I have, especially with Stan Van Gundy. He literally repeats himself through the entire broadcast. What you mean? Like he has something in his mind about this guy is this or this guy is that, and he'll repeat it over <laughs> and over. You know, you, and he's over. trying to sell his point. <laughs> he, he said it's performance art. He's trying to sell his point. You're an analyst, right? Yes. You do a lot of prep. To be an analyst. Mm -hmm. I did it for a couple of years on radio with UCLA, and Mm -hmm. there's a lot of prep involved. I mean, you want to be in the moment, but you have to show that you did a little homework and are not just observing what we're all observing, right? Yes. It's got to be a balance. A little bit. Yes. You you don't like like Sam Van Gundy's style? No. And it's not a personal thing. I'm sure he's a nice guy, but no, not my style for the NBA. All right, coming up on the other side, a lot of NFL news we're going to get to because, well, at least some of the players are on the field. We got the latest. This is Fox Sports Saturday. Steve Harp. Juan Gabriel. Juan Gis. Selena. Selena. Celia Cruz. Azúcar. Harold G. La Bichota. Christina Aguilera. Ex-Tina. Just to name a few. We're serving the whole story. From rags to riches. And all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royalty. Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Aw, Joseph. Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. 
Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ben and Bucky Brooks, Fox Sports Saturday. We're coming live from the Tyrac.com studios. So, again, we'll have to wait, regardless of the outcome of this Heat-Celtics game tonight, until Thursday for the start of the NBA Finals. Uh, by the way, the Nuggets haven't played since Monday. That means they're going to have 10 days off. Mm-hmm. 10 days off. And there's the infamous story, my dear friend Michael Thompson two-time champion with the Lakers. We'll tell you what happened in 1989 to the Lakers. The Lakers are looking to three-peat. And they swept all three playoff series in the Western Conference. All three rounds. First round was three out of five. So three straight, four straight, four straight. 11-0 in the playoffs. Mm. Pat Riley, their coach, as they awaited to see who they were going to play in the NBA Finals, freaked out about being stale with the layoff for the NBA Finals. And as Michael said, he put us through boot camp. Like, we started uh, the season all over again. was this? 1989. It was Kareem's Mm, last year. So what happened? Magic got hurt. Byron got hurt. In camp? During this interim, they got got because they were going through these strenuous workouts because Riley wanted to make sure everyone was ready to go. And they ended up getting swept. All four series were sweeps that year for the Lakers. Pistons put them away in four straight. That's how Kareem ended his career. So if uh, if you're Malone right now coaching your Nuggets, and he's he's already talked about uh, some concerns about being a little stale with a 10-day layoff before the Nuggets either will host the Heat or go to Boston, uh, how would you handle that as a coach uh, to make sure your team is sharp, ready for the start of the NBA Finals. Try and keep everything consistent. Whatever you've done to this point, you want to stay with it. If you've been a team that has been a grinded out, hey, we work hard, we're going to condition, we're going to do all this, we're going to continue to do that. If you've been a team that has been more about, hey, let's polish it up and get it ready, we're, we're minimal practice time and we can get in and out. We're going to do those things. Now, the one thing you have to do when you have a nine-day layoff, conditioning is everything. So you got to make sure you run them. You got to make sure that you get some live scrimmaging in to keep their wind, their cardio up. But you don't want to overdo it. And that, you know, it's funny because that's a lesson to me when you talk about Pat Riley doing it. Because I love uh, what he's done. I love what the Heat have done. I love all the culture stuff. But some of the cons to that is sometimes you can you can grind them to the nub. And they may not have anything. So it's that fine line where you get them just enough to keep them ready without overdoing it. Yeah, Riley in uh, in years afterwards has admitted that he overdid it. He overdid it. I mean, he'd already guaranteed the back-to-back, which they delivered on. And then he, remember, he got the copyright on 3 Pete. Yeah. The whole thing. And Michael said he just freaked out. And they were all looking at him like, what are we doing here? This is, this is not training camp. Like... You know, we, we've played a lot of games already this year. Yeah. You, you know, and by the way, we're going to be playing a very physical team in the Pistons. But so we need to be healthy. Okay, so now in retro, I know Michael can say that they messed it up, but some would say that the Detroit Pistons should have won the year before. Sure. For 
Isaiah and the ankle and the epic performance that he had on that ankle where he hops over everybody and kind of hobble along down the court. Some would say that the Pistons were due, and it wouldn't have mattered if they had not had the training camp like practices, that they were going to get whooped by the Pistons anyway. Can I tell you a quick story about that uh, ankle injury? So game six, Isaiah gets hurt. Remember, the Lakers were down three games to two. They had to win the last Mm -hmm. two games. And he got rehabbed to get ready for game seven at our facilities with the Raiders. Mm. So Mike Ornstein. Orny. Our marketing guy at the time. Orny was a friend of Isaiah. So... Here we were, and I'm sitting there going, are you kidding me? Why Why are we helping Isaiah Thomas get ready for game seven? I was outraged. Orny had that kind of play. You know Orny. He's not so so that's funny. Him. Now that you tell me that Orny had a relationship with Isaiah, it makes sense. I don't know if you've seen the documentary that they've talked about, the Bad Boys. Yeah. They talked about how they were they made themselves the Bad Boys and how they emulated the Raiders. It mm-hmm. now makes more sense to yes. me. Yes why they wanted to do some of the bad boy things and i think they had the skull and can you imagine how i felt as a laker fan seeing isaiah on our in in el segundo like Mm, you probably kicked him you probably kicked him in passing (laughs) it was like are you kidding me you probably kicked him in passing thank god for big game james the only triple double of his entire nba career was game seven of the nba finals 36.16 rebounds big game james big game james uh, where did he play his college ball he's my favorite player in north carolina and i think people forget how good he was michael jordan hit the shot that year but yeah James oh, he was the was All-American on that team. He was the guy. One of my favorite people. I worked with him many years on that thing. All right, I want to go to you, your odyssey. Uh, you were in Jacksonville this week. Um, let's start right there. I mean, Doug Peterson mm-hmm. takes over a complete disaster from Urban Meyer. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people question if Doug Peterson – how long will it take for him to turn things around? How about one year? One year. Not only did they get to the postseason, they pulled off one of the greatest comebacks in playoff history to get to the second round. So all of a sudden, we look at Jacksonville from a team that had the top pick in the draft in consecutive years to what? Where where, where do you project this Jacksonville Jaguars team in 2023? Uh, the team should be one of the top four teams in the AFC. And Slow it, down. Slow down. Top four? Oh, absolutely. Oh, hold on. We got the Chiefs, Bengals, Bills. Mm-hmm. Well, they should win the division, so that puts them in the top four. Okay, they should win the division. Okay, three rookies that could play in the division. Try and Tannehill. So you would see. have them power wise ranked ahead of the Ravens, the Jets. Yeah. Okay. I, would. I like this. I want to hear it's more about the quarter, quarter, right. the quarterback. So what and, what do you see in Trevor Lawrence? I mean, we obviously. So been here, here's guy. here's what I would say and why people, if if you are a fantasy football owner or one that is getting ready for the draft, I would circle and star the name Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley gives the Jaguars something that they haven't had, which is a true number one receiver on the perimeter. The reason that is important is because with Doug Peterson, the offense last year, as good as they were, they still missed that explosive element. And now Calvin Ridley isn't a speedster, but what he is is an outstanding route runner. And so for a play designer like Doug Peterson, it allows you the creativity to come up with plays that will get him one-on-one and allow him to play to his strengths. That also resets the pecking order because now you have Kevin Ridley at one, Christian Kirk at two, Zay Jones at three, and then Evan Ingram. With 
Travis Etienne, you now have the ability to do a bunch of different things offensively. And I'll say this, this is a team that will push the pace to see if they can get 30 points a game because then that allows them to play bend but don't break on defense. And if they're able to hit that 30-point mark each week, that's going to put them in serious consideration for not only winning the division but to compete for one of the top two seeds. Trevor Lawrence obviously has been in the spotlight ever since leading Clemson to a championship his freshman year, but I look back at that playoff comeback against the Chargers. The fact that he threw those four picks, I mean, that would demoralize. Here's your first NFL Mm -hmm. playoff game, and you're stinking up the joint. Mm -hmm. You've handed the team essentially the game. You've Four interceptions, you handed it. And for him to keep his wits about him, and engineer that comeback after that kind of a start. I mean, I was always a fan of Trevor Lawrence, and we know he checks all the boxes, but sometimes you always wonder, okay, when things are going good, it's easy to look good. Mm -hmm. When you're at Clemson and you're better than 99% of your opponents, it's easy to look good. How will you deal in your darkest moment? And we saw that from Trevor Lawrence in that playoff game. That was huge. It was really a big deal for him to be able to bounce back from that. It was as bad as it could possibly be, uh, however many inceptions he threw in the first half, coming back from that deficit. But he learned from it, and he was able to learn in a win, which is significant. Goes and plays uh, pretty decent the next week against Kansas City. But those two playoff games, that experience, well, you can't get that. It's invaluable. And so now he comes back to what I will say is a better offensive squad. And so with Calvin Ridley and the guys that we've talked about, this is a better team, a more explosive team, and they're going to put the pressure on the offense to carry the water. Defensively, there's still some questions. Can they get generate enough pass rush to, to, to preserve leads? And are they talented enough in the back end and the secondary to keep the ball from flying over the top? If they can do those things to complement what should be a good offense, yeah, this is a team that could surprise and really end up in the Final Four. Is there any challenge in that division? Yeah, I mean, it's a challenge because the Tennessee Titans have lorded over the division for a long time, so they'll be tough. Their brand to play with Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry will make it tough. The Houston Texans and the Indianapolis Colts, those are teams that have some talent, but you got rookie quarterbacks. So how good can you be immediately with a rookie quarterback in place? All right, uh, let's find out what is trending right now. Here is the Richard Dick Sears of Sports Talk Radio. I thought you were going to say Tim Henman. I was thinking, you know what? On the way in, I was thinking Tim Henman. Goran Ivanisevich? I'm going all the way to the beginning because Richard Dick Sears, Harvard guy who looked like a college professor, won the first seven U.S. Nationals, as it was then known before, of course, became now the U.S. Open. The first seven in a row. Uh, no one's ever done that since. Um, Here's the catch. They used to have what they call a challenger's round. Mm -hmm. So the defending champion did not compete until the main bracket would produce a champion and then you would face them in one match. How would that change the dynamic of modern tennis if the defending champion could sit and wait (laughs) to play a single match to win a championship? I don't know how that would play. It's like a DH, right? You're sitting on the bench all day. Some people can do it. Some people can't. The idea that you would be sitting around, that other person's got six matches under their belt, boom, ready to roll. 
and you're just sitting around. But that's how they did it back in the day. The thing about tennis is there's really not an advantage to sitting out because there's so much of a gain in getting those reps and getting that experience out there on the the court. That's the whole point, yeah. There could be other sports, maybe like the NFL, where injury, you just want to make sure you're only playing when you have to. I don't even think that works. Yeah. How many times have we seen teams rest, uh, you know, and then they have a bye week and they come back stale? Yeah. Happens a lot. But you're, yeah, you got to look him up. Richard Sears. A.K.A. Dick Sears. I will do that. And no, no relationship to Sears Roebuck. Yeah, well, I certainly was thinking about that. But yeah. you go from talking about rookie quarterbacks to a rookie head coach in the NBA. Adrian Griffin is the new guy for the Milwaukee Bucks, that according to ESPN. It's all but done. They're just working out some of the finer details on the financial elements as far as how much money he's going to make, all the terms of the contract. But he did beat out Kenny Atkinson as another finalist. Atkinson, an assistant for the Warriors. And part of the hiring process involved the finalists having to sit down one-on-one with Bucks standout Giannis Antetokounmpo. And Giannis apparently approved of Griffin, who got the nod and did so after paying his dues 16 years as an assistant coach in the NBA, spending over five different teams, gets that initial opportunity to become a head coach. Speaking of the NBA tonight, it is going to be Game 6, Eastern Conference Finals, Miami Heat for a third time. We'll try to close things out. They have failed to do that. They lead three games to two in their head-to-head against the Boston Celtics, and the Celts have won the last two games. As far as Major League Baseball, a ton of games are in progress. As of right now, the Rangers are putting the finishing touches on a potential win up 5-1 to one against the Orioles, as the Orioles are batting for the last time here in the bottom of the ninth. The Astros have scored four unanswered, and they are in front of the Athletics 6-1 to one in the bottom of the eighth. Although the A's, who are playing at home, have bases loaded. Max Muncy has two hits, one for a home run, a solo shot for him, and the Dodgers are trying to lift past the Rays 6-4. to four. That's the score, top of the ninth inning. L.A. is at the dish. The Phillies are in front 2-1 to one against the Braves, a game that can be seen on FS1. Braves batting in the bottom of the ninth. Eight innings, 12 strikeouts, three hits allowed for Philly starter Zach Wheeler, who did a great job on the bump. Finals, we did see the Padres fall short the Yankees in 10 innings, 3-2 at Yankee Stadium. And the Blue Jays coming up short against the Twins, 9-7 in a game that featured seven, yes, seven home runs. And lastly, guys, the third round of the Charles Schwab Challenge is all but over. Adam Schenk and, let me say this correctly, Harry Hall, both in a share of the lead, one-shot leads for both of them. Both are at 10 under going into the final round tomorrow. And as was documented earlier in the week, Mike Michael Block, who had that storied run, tied for 15 last week as a teaching pro at the PGA Championship. The only guy to shoot over 80 in the opening round, and he had the highest score, did not make the cut, 81-74. and That's not going to get it done, Bucky and Steve. I like what he had to say afterwards. He said, first of all, he's exhausted. Mentally exhausted. He came at all this fanfare for, you know, a club pro. He'd only play in 25 PGA tournaments ever. Uh, and made the cut five times. I mean, that makes sense. He's a club pro. He's not a professional golfer. Uh, but he said, yeah, the golf gods got me. It's like, okay, we're going to give you the week of your life. He said it. I mean, I'm never going to have a week like this ever. Capped off with that hole-in-one on the air. I'm 15 there. And, uh, I mean, I don't blame him, but he knew it was coming. He knew it was coming. So. Especially when you're hitting a shot from the bridge in your opening round, yeah. and then you go three straight holes to open up your front 
nine, your first round, bogey, bogey, bogey. It's yeah. very relatable for us that play bogey golf. So that wasn't going to cut it. Right. And, and and he's not used to tournament golf where you're playing every week or something like that. I mean, just, I mean, come on. I understand why they invited him because everyone was excited about him. Nothing that happened this week takes away from what he did last week. Nothing. I mean, that was, that was, I mean, I don't know how much of you, uh, did you get to watch this Michael Block guy, especially in that last round when he had the hole in one right, you know, landed yes. right in the cup on 15. This guy's a club pro. 46 years old, playing with Rory McIlroy, ties for 15th, and he earns a slot in next year's PGA Championship, the automatic, by finishing in the top 15. I mean, you got to like that. I mean, I th- I, we all can relate to those stories because we love those stories. I mean, we love that everyone loves the, the the underdog, the guy who had to yeah. scratch his way and claw his way you. to get in and do those things. So yeah, I mean, it's a great it's a great story. And anytime David has an opportunity to knock down Goliath, we love that part of it. So let's see if he can whip out a slingshot and make some happen. The only part where Michael Block got a little ahead of his skis, a little bit. Uh, he went on some podcast and he talked about. If I could drive the ball like Rory, because he played with Rory that final round, you know, McElroy's getting 30, 40 yards on every drive. And he goes, my short game, if I could drive it that far, I could be right there. And it's like, okay, come on. I think that's why the golf gods got him. They're like, no, no, no. There's a reason why that very, very elite, 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 elite in any sport are where they are. It's that's why they're the elite, you know, and that's why I mean it's a great story. It was a great story, and they'll be looking forward to him next year at the PGA. But uh, yeah, the golf guys are like, shh, shh, don't, <laughs> don't put yourself in that conversation. There's a reason he's Roy McIlroy, and you're not. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, by the way, speaking of stars, DeAndre Hopkins um, mm-hmm. is 30 years old, and it, it was crazy this whole dynamic with Arizona. Uh, you know, people are saying, well, they're tanking now. I mean, they, they took a $22 million cap hit. Uh, it would seem like uh, they're writing off this season. Uh, obviously, with Kyler Murray's situation, very questionable. Uh, it, it's understandable. But let's let's talk again about destinations. Uh, we were talking earlier about the Buffalo Bills, but what about the Baltimore Ravens? I mean, now that now with their new offensive coordinator in, and once again we're hearing Lamar mm-hmm. Jackson making a lot of noise about the fact you're not going to recognize our offense. We're going to be throwing the ball a lot. Uh, I mean, I don't. I, I, a yeah. lot is what I mean. You know, uh, are they going to thirty thirty plus throws a game? I, I don't know if that's going to be the right formula. But if you add a DeAndre Hopkins, and the one thing about Lamar Jackson we have seen is he is an accurate thrower. Not deep, mm. but interim route. I mean, he can so, deliver the ball, and he did it in college, and he's done it at the NFL level. You've already mentioned D-Hop is not at that point where he's going to be that breakout star, but he's going to find space, and he knows how to certainly catch the ball. What about uh, DeAndre Hopkins added to that Ravens arsenal? What I will say about Lamar Jackson, having watched him uh, – up close and personal in college and watching him in the pros, having scouted him, I would say this. He is a much better thrower than people have given him credit to. Because he was such a dominant runner, we always talked about what he does is he's a runner. He's a running back playing quarterback, yada, yada, yada. When you watched him at Louisville, he was an outstanding passer, and he played in a pro-style offense under Bobby Petrino. 
Lamar Jackson is at his best when he's throwing in-breaking routes that fall inside the numbers. Anything outside the numbers, the, the completion percentage, the accuracy, all of that stuff goes down. It has been his problem, his nemesis since he was in college. That's not his jam. But if you can layer the passing tree and layer the routes where he is working over the middle or inside the numbers, he can shred you. The deep ball comes on deep posts and overs and those things. So the trick will be can Todd Munkin take all the things that Lamar Jackson does well as a passer and build an offense where he can put the pieces in place in those spots. OBJ, Rashad Bateman, Zay Flowers, uh, you have Nelson Aguilar coming over, Isaiah Likely, Mark Andrews. All of those guys are solid pass catchers. But can you put together an offense that allows Lamar Jackson to play comfortably? And this is going to be different because the Ravens were the army of the NFL, meaning you had to prepare for them differently than anybody else. Well, now, as they make a shift towards a more traditional and conventional offense, do they lose some of the advantages that they had offensively when they had to line up each week? That, All right. That's a big question. On the other side, I want to ask you about one other team and our predictions on Game 6 of tonight's Eastern Conference Finals between the Heat and Celtics. This is Fox Sports Saturday. And the pitch. Juan Gabriel. Juan Gis. Selena. Selena. Celia Cruz. Azúcar. Carol G. La Bichota. Christina Aguilera. Extina. Just to name a few. We're serving the whole story. From rags to riches. And all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royalty. Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Aw, Joseph. Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. 
to the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Swinging a bouncer, Pasto Door down the left field line. It's going to win it. Allen scores. Ball game. Yankees win in 10. 3 to 2 the final. And Isaiah Kiner Falefa, the hero with the walk off. That's Yankees radio, apparently, minus John Sterling. Chris, you're not happy about that. What happened there? Where is he? Is he on hiatus? Is he retired? Am I missing something or what? I just checked. Andrew Marchand of the New York Post is usually tied in on this subject, says he is still out with an illness, but the illness was not described as serious. So that's good news. We hope to see John Sterling make a full recovery. And back I did the, shock you when I told you soon. that not only is he not in the Baseball Hall of Fame, the Ford Frick Award they give away to you know radio announcers every year. Is that TV just announcers? because the goofy? Is that he's just never, because the goofy? He's thing? never even been nominated. That, that has to be just because some guys just don't like his style. That Apparently kid, that, they that, don't. Like, they don't like the Grandy Man when he talks about Curtis Granderson. They don't <laughs> like the jokes about all rise, the judge is right. in court. Like, that that has to be it because there's no reason why you would keep him out of the I mean, he's certainly one of the most recognizable voices in baseball. Oh, uh, Yankees win. He's never even been nominated. For the Hall of Fame. That's crazy. Uh, by the way, that's our Progressive Play of the Day, brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. I want to thank the crew today. Chris in now. Of course, we had John Ramos here a little bit earlier. Brian Finley, I gave him many names today, historic names in the tennis world, because, well, frankly... No knock on Jonas. He only knows one tennis name. He uses it every time Bjorn Borg, and I had to branch out with other names. Brandon, of course, uh, listening to his Padres lose that game. By the way, I I got a question for you, Brandon. Are you happy with the uh, bat toss of Fernando Tatis Jr.? Did it yesterday, got booed today, blasted another home run against the Yankees. Uh, How do you feel about that? Oh, I love it. I love it. I mean, if you're going to get called out like that, shut him up. Mm Mm-hmm. I like, mean, that's the like, only that's the only thing you can do. He likes all that. He doesn't he doesn't care about the unwritten rules of baseball or anything like that. He, Brandon loves all of that. Like he's here for all the pettiness and all that other stuff. Yeah, I want. <laughs> yeah, Tatis deserves all, all the smoke, man. Just, Style on him. Just all of it. He like he likes all of it. He likes his guys. Well, that's what baseball was hopping. By the way, we're broadcasting from the TireRack.com studios. But when they were projecting him to be the face of baseball, Bucky, mm-hmm. that's exactly what they wanted. That I he mean, was, I like. Look, I like all of that. Look, it was all good. You got to back it up, though, it was, and he it backs was, it, it up. Was, it was all good. So they put the crying. Yeah. Clayton Kershaw emoji on the yeah, uh, yeah they've been playing on the thing. Like they put that on there. That was that was it. That, that's when they lost me on that. One. All right, uh, one other quick team talking about D Hop, and then we'll make our predictions on tonight's game between the Celtics and the Heat. The New York Jets. Uh, by the way, how's Aaron Rodgers right now? Ooh, look, calf is a little tight. Look calf tight, tight, tight. is tight. Calf is tight, but look, happening happening OTAs and minicamp. And here's the thing: you just have to be careful when you're dealing with an older player at the position. Those things happen. And because he's had calf injuries before, it's one of those things that you have to look at. And for a Jets team who have kind of put all the eggs in the Aaron Rodgers basket, Mm -hmm. they just need to make sure that they are building a team that is a balanced team. Not balanced in terms of run-pass ratio, but in terms of we need to have a team that can win with 
or without him. I know he has been hailed as the savior. He's going to take us to the promised land, but you just need to make sure that you don't put all that on him because at this stage of his career, Yes, he can pull out those magical moments, but you don't want to use him like that all 17 games. He won't be able to last. Well, I was going to say he's, he's missed very few games, although he had the one season, obviously, he missed quite a few games. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let's talk about tonight's matchup mm. between the Celtics and the Heat. Mm. Uh, the Celtics have already done what only 14 teams had ever done, down 3-0 in a series, and that has forced it to a game six out of 150, only 14 times had a team down 3-0, even gotten to a game six. Only three have gotten to a game seven. Is this series going back to Boston, or are the Heat celebrating an opportunity to be matched up with the Nuggets in the NBA Finals? Well, as much as I want the Heat to close it out tonight, for some reason I just got this feeling that this may be a seven-game affair and that you win three, I win three, now we have one game to finish it all, and all the momentum and that stuff. I think the Heat went in seven. So I don't know if whoa, it's going to happen whoa, whoa. today. Hold on. Slow down. So yeah. you're telling me mm-hmm. after blowing a 3-0 lead, yeah. they're going to go into Boston. I mean, how devastating. Would, would that be the worst loss in Celtics history is overcoming a 3-0 deficit and then losing game seven at home? Because that's when the pressure. To would, an eight seed? But that's when the pressure would jump back onto the Celtics. Because all the expectation would be if you go back to Boston, right? it's a done deal. It's a gimme. It's a wrap. It's over. And that is when the coach will finally feel the pressure. And so I think that's that's how it plays out. Eric Spolster said before the fourth quarter of game four, these guys really want this one. And then they got blown out of that fourth quarter on their home court. I put my faith on, to me, the best player in the series – and with all due respect to Jason Tatum, I think Jimmy Butler is that mm. big game. Heat, Butler, win tonight. We get ready for Thursday's matchup against the Nuggets. Don't go anywhere, folks. Keep it right here. This is Fox Sports Radio. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love at first listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.